0: Acts chapter 2, that's where we are this morning, so turn in your Bibles. (coughs) Last time we were together we saw that uh, Peter was giving his sermon after Pentecost when the Holy Spirit had come upon 120 Jewish uh, believers in Jesus as the Messiah there in the upper room and the Holy Spirit came upon them and what was birthed that day was Messianic Judaism, right? Please understand that. We are grafted in we don't supersede israel we haven't replaced israel we haven't replaced the jewish people no 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 no. but through them we have received salvation right and then uh, what had happened and taken place was that many thought that they were drunk and peter said no it's only the ninth hour of the day with the uh, excuse me it's, it's nine o'clock in the morning he says third hour of the day but he quoted joel chapter two so uh if you want to turn to joel chapter two for a minute keep your place in acts two give you a minute This was a partial fulfillment of what was prophesied by Joel concerning the day of the Lord. And when does the day of the Lord begin? With the rapture of the church. church. And when does it end? At the end of the millennial reign of Christ. That's the day of the Lord. It's a long day for certain, right? And it begins at the rapture of the church, which will be at the end of the church age, which is at the end of the times of the Gentiles. Make no mistake about that. That's the true fulfillment of what Joel had prophesied in chapter 2. And I want to point that out to you as you go to Joel, chapter 2, and see what happens after that. But he goes on to say, and Peter is quoting from Joel, chapter 2, verse 28, when the Spirit is poured out upon the Jewish people once again, when they are awakened to who Jesus really is. The spirit of supplication, the spirit of grace, as Zechariah prophesied, when they will look upon him whom they have pierced and mourn and ask him, where did you get these wounds? And he'll say, in the house of my, my own home, among my own people. That's the true fulfillment of this. But, but what happened at Pentecost was a partial fulfillment. And he goes on to say, chapter 2, verse 28, and it shall come to pass afterward, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maidservants I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall sow so- wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire, pillars of smoke. And the sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it will come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. So, the partial fulfillment of that was in Pentecost, but the complete fulfillment of that is yet to happen. Now, if we keep it in its context, if we look at chapter three, do you have a heading over chapter three? Yeah, what you said? It's the judgment of the Gentile nations. Now God is very clear of why he's bringing judgment upon the gentile nations both here in the Old Testament it's shared with us it's shared with us in Joel it's shared with us in him it's shared with us in Isaiah but it's also shared in the New Testament Jesus told us the same thing now this is the reason for gentile judgment look at chapter 3 of Joel verse 1 for behold in those days and at that time what days the days when he pours out his spirit and he awakens Israel to the fact that Jesus is their Messiah when when the true fulfillment of messianic judaism happens where all israel shall be saved as promised right for behold in those days and at that time i will bring back the captives of judah and jerusalem and i will also gather all nations and bring them down into valley of jehoshaphat was the valley of jehoshaphat the valley of judgment that's right the valley of judgment i will enter into judgment with them there with who who's he entering into judgment with the Gentile nations, the Gentile nations, these are the nations of the Gentiles being judged, okay and I will enter into judgment with them, they are on account of my people, Who's his people? Israel, Israel, the Jews on account of my people, my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations, the diaspora right, when did that take place? 70 AD 70 AD, and the safest place for the diaspora, for the Jewish people, for almost 2,000 years was where? united states of america what a coincidence what a coincidence that when the jews were dispersed throughout the nations of the world they were hunted and persecuted everywhere weren't they netanyahu had a meeting with xi jinping some time ago and they were discussing their cultures and their peoples and and netanyahu pointed out the stark difference between the chinese culture and the chinese people and israel and the jews that there are millions of Chinese, billions, in fact. But the population of the Jews is much smaller. And why, he pointed out? Because we have been hunted and persecuted for a millennium. That's why. And that's really what took place. And the Gentile nations had hunted them down, persecuted them, tortured them, murdered them. But the only safe safe place for the Jew during the diaspora, truly, was here in the United States of America. And who discovered America? Christopher Columbus. In his nationality, he was an Italian, of course. Who doesn't like Italian food? (laughs) But his ethnicity, he was a Jew. Many people don't realize that. He was a Jew, and he was sponsored by three very wealthy Jewish merchants at that time to find a safe place for Jewry during the Inquisition, the persecution of the Jews by the Spaniards. And what did he discover? America. Wow. Coincidental? No. But has God not gathered his people back together again? Hmm? Yeah. During the diaspora, you would say, where's the holy city? For the Jew, they would say, New York, of course, New York. (laughs) Why? Because there was a larger concentration of Jews in New York City than any place else in the world. Amazing. But not any longer. Not any longer. God's people have been brought back into their homeland from which they were scattered. And who scattered them? The Gentiles. Well, God did. He used the Gentiles to do it. But look at the text now. Chapter 3, Jude. Joel, I mean. I will also gather all nations and bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat for judgment. I will judge them. They are kind account of my people Israel whom they have scattered among the nations. And also they have when and whoever did that. Now, Gentile powers have never divided up the land of Israel until now, right? After World War II, the conscience of the West was bothering them, so we established the state of Israel. We looked a blind eye at the murder of millions of Jewish people. And even now in this contemporary age, we've looked a blind eye and been willing to sacrifice Jewish blood through the terrorism that goes on for the sake of Arab oil. Is that not true? Yeah. yeah. And it's amazing to me how anti-Semitic the church has become. So much of the church, those who are embracing Reformed theology and believing that somehow the church has replaced Israel and all the promises of God that God made to Israel have belonged to the church now, nothing can be farther from the truth. History itself proves that it can possibly be true. Why? 1948, May 14th. What happened? Israel miraculously became a nation among the nations of the world once again, just as God had prophesied. On the very day, amazingly. Remember I did that math for you? Leviticus, the judgment, seven times. Wow. Fascinating prophecy. So that, this is the complete fulfillment. When the sun will no longer give its light, it'll, it'll turn the blackness of sackcloth. When the moon and we bled red, when the nations of the world will be judged because of their treatment of God's people and dividing the land. Every administration has pushed for a two-state solution except one. Which one was that? Trump. Isn't that amazing? And even now, even now the Biden administration and both sides of the aisle GOP, Democrat, doesn't matter. They're they're all pushing and saying the only only real possible plausible solution to the problem in the Middle East is a two-state solution. And when that begins to happen, when they force Israel to divide Jerusalem, the holy city that God had given to his people, that one place that he determined on the face of the earth will be where he meets with his people. When they choose to divide that, force Israel to a national suicide, then God's going to intervene. Then all of this will begin to take place. Hmm. Now go back to Acts chapter 2. So after Peter stood up at Pentecost and explained to them what had happened, this was a partial fulfillment of Joel's prophecy, that they were speaking in other tongues, that the, the ecstasy of the Holy Spirit fell upon them, and they gave these utterances in a dialect, in a language that all of these people who gathered together from all over the known world, were they from? They were Jews from every nation on the face of it. it says, <laughs> it's a little bit of hyperbole, but they were Jews, Jews from all of the surrounding nations who had come to Jerusalem for the feast day because the three major feasts they had to show up for. What were the three major feasts every male Jew had to show up for? Passover, Passover Pentecost, Tabernacles. Tabernacles. Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot, right? And I talked to you about what those, those meant for the Jew. It's a fascinating study when you really when you really start to take on a Jewish understanding and a Jewish mindset. The Israelology of the Bible it just becomes so more and more meaningful, hasn't it been? I hope, as we've been studying. Hope you're interested in that. I surely am. When you, you got to understand something, when you get to heaven, you're going to be more Jewish than anything else. <laughs> yeah. What do you think the language of heaven might be? I think it's probably Hebrew. Yeah. But he goes on to say, as Peter is explaining under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what a different Peter! What a different Peter, afraid for his life, uh, fearing before some little servant girl. I never knew the man, I never knew the man. Then he begins to swear, and third time he declared, I never knew him! And only Luke records for us that when he said that and the cock crowed, he said, before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. When that cock crowed, and after the third time Peter denied him, what happened? And Jesus looked at him. How do you think Jesus looked at him? Love. Love. He looked at him with love and pity. Peter, give me permission to love you, even in your brokenness. As flawed as you are, Peter, let me love you. And what happened to Peter shortly after that? until John 21. What happened to Peter? He went out and he was sitting and sulking and souring in self-pity. Probably contemplating, uh, contemplating what? Suicide. So, but what happened in John 21? You're in the boat. You're fishing on the wrong side of the boat. Throw the net on the right side. <laughs> and the net was full of fish and John said it's the lord and peter forgot all of his guilt all of his shame all of his sorrow leaped into the water and couldn't wait to be with jesus peter gave him permission to love him and that unconditional sacrificial love of god healed peter in his brokenness in his shame in his sorrow in his guilt you ever been there you ever been there i have Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What a, what a different Peter now. And that's, listen, that's all I'm expressing to you this morning. That's all I'm asking. Lord Jesus, please, upon every single heart that hungers and desires to see you work in their life, do it this morning, Lord. Here and over the Internet, Lord. Swell our hearts and give us a loving boldness that we never had before, because this is what Peter received. What a different man. And I want to assure you, you can go out of here this morning a different woman, a different man, a different person. Peter went on to say in verse 22, Acts chapter 2, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which he did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death. Woo! That's what man does, right? that's the only thing man can produce hmm? there's the works of man and then there's the works of God what's man made in heaven? In heaven? the holes in his hands the holes in his feet, the holes in his slice in his side that's the only thing that's man made in heaven but Peter is telling them that by the foreknowledge of God, what does that mean? Turn to me to Romans now what's the, what's the context of Romans chapter 9, 10 and 11? god's purpose for israel listen the reformers won't read 9 10 and 11 in context they won't read it the way it's supposed to be interpreted because it makes it clear that god has not forsaken his promises that he made to israel they're unilateral they're not bilateral it's not i will if you will i will if you will no it's i will i will i will i will the five i wills that we're going to be talking about when we go to the seder that god promised his people right And so God is going to keep the promises he made to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Moses, to David. God's a promise keeper. We're not. Admit it. You're not. Only if God enables me can I keep the promises. (laughs) One feels so good he wants a boogie. (laughs) Is that the Lord one? Did he? I I just put my finger in the wrong place. (laughs) (laughs) I've been there, brother. (laughs) Go with me to Romans. Did I say Romans chapter eleven? 9, 10, and 11, God is expressing through Paul that God has not forsaken Israel. He's not forsaken his plan for Israel. He will complete all that he began. Isn't that a wonderful promise that we read in Philippians as Paul wrote? He who began a good work in you. He who began a good work in me. (laughs) He'll bring it to completion, right? He will complete that work he began and he's going to complete the work he began with Abraham Isaac, Jacob, all the children of Israel. He's going to complete it. But I want you to go to chapter 11 as Paul is summing up his message there with regard to God's restoration of the Jewish people. And that will be the complete fulfillment of Joel chapter 2. That will be the complete fulfillment of Zechariah chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14. That will be the complete fulfillment of what he's speaking of here as we look at chapter 11 of Romans, verse 28. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. Who's that? Who? The Jews! the jews right there they they are the jews they are enemies for your sake who's the your the gentiles us uss, right the jews are enemies for your sake but concerning the election they are beloved for the sake of the fathers who are the fathers abraham isaac and jacob they are still beloved why for the sake of the promises god has made to israel god make any promises to you all listen yes he has Oh, listen, all of the best and most precious promises. And Paul, Peter talks about that in his, oh, precious. Can you imagine this big guy, Peter? Precious. Not precious. No, precious. <laughs> all these wonderful, precious promises of God, unilateral. God doesn't say, I will if you will. God says, I will, I will, I will. All you have to do is receive it. Receive the promise, receive the gift, right? Like Israel, for you and I in the church today. But anyway, concerning the gospel, the Jews are enemies for your sake, the church. But concerning election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Aren't you glad for that? I am so thankful. Now, listen to me, make no mistake about it. Here at at Community Chapel, hear what I believe and I'll always teach as long as I'm here and I'm your pastor. Once saved, always and forever, you can't lose your salvation. You cannot lose the gift of God. You can't lose what God gave you. You didn't do anything to earn in the beginning, and you can't do anything to keep it. Do you understand? It's all by grace. By grace. Or grace isn't grace. Do you understand? Once you receive the salvation of God, you're his now and forever. What did I say? I have one child. In the film, how many children did Chuck Smith have? In reality, he has four. He has two sons and another daughter. They all played a very instrumental part in the whole Jesus movement, but they've been completely written out of the history, isn't it? What's going on there? Tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help you God, would you? I have one son. One son. 53 years old. How can he be 53? I'm only 42. <laughs> <laughs> now, for 53 years, I have never, ever, ever not, what? Loved him. In 53 years, he has never, ever, ever not been my son. And he always will be. And I'll always love him. I may not love what he does. I may not love what he says. But you know, uh, I, I can't remember even when that happened. Listen, once you become God's child, once you become God's son or daughter through that new birth, you are his now and He will never not, you will never not be his child. He'll never not love you, and you'll never not be his child. you understand that? The calling of God is irrevocable. That calling, the election, that salvation that he's brought into your life, it will never, ever, ever be taken away from you. It is a gift from God. All you have to do is receive that gift. And once you receive that gift, it's yours now, And and the gift is eternal life. Life with Jesus without end. Wow. That's a soft pill to lay your head on tonight, isn't it? Huh? Yeah. Look at the text. Chapter 11. Verse 29. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For as you... Who's the you? The Gentiles. Me. As you were once disobedient to God, yet now have obtained mercy through their disobedience... Even so, these have also been disobedient, that through the mercy shown you, they may also obtain mercy. What about those people? You know, those people that have never heard, those primitive tribesmen in remote locations. What about those people? That's just not fair. Before Romans 1, How many got off the boat? No, I'm not talking about that boat. My grandparents got off that boat, and their names are right on the Island. <laughs> no, no, not talking about the ark. Eight people got off the ark. And, and, and three families started the whole population of the world all over again, didn't they? Didn't they? What were their names? The boys? Ham, Shem, and Japheth. And as we move further down into the book of Acts, what's going to happen in chapter eight? The Ethiopian eunuch is going to get saved, and he's a descendant of Ham. What's going to happen in chapter 9? Saul of Tarsus is going to get saved, and he's a descendant of Shem. What's going to happen in chapter 10? Cornelius is going to get saved, and he's a descendant of Japheth. Listen to me. The whole world knew, and every man, woman, and child knew at one point in human history the God who created us all. And we became disobedient. You understand? Before the Jews rejected God, long before there was the Himrabi, right? The, the, the Hebrews, that name came from the way the Egyptians referred to the sons of Jacob as the Himrabi, okay? The Hebrews. But long before they were the Hebrews, right? We were all Gentiles, weren't we? Abraham, was he a Jew? No. no. He was uh, from the Earl of the Chaldees. He was a Chaldean, he was a, he was a Gentile so long before the Jews rejected Jesus Christ as their Messiah we rejected God as our creator, savior friend, lover and we became disobedient and through our disobedience God raised up and called one man, what was his name? Abraham and through his son, Isaac, right? Yakadah the first place worship is ever mentioned, where is that David? the sacrifice of Isaac. And Paul likens that to Romans 12, and he says, I beseech you, I beg you, therefore, brethren, what? Present Present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy, which is a reasonable act of worship. It's not singing songs. It's surrendering your life. The songs simply should represent the fact that your life is surrendered and submitted in worship. Prosknos. That's what the word means to turn towards and to kiss. Turn towards God. So God, because of the disobedience of all of the world, called a man Abraham and his son Isaac and his son Jacob and the twelve tribes and Moses and Yeshua, Joshua, and David, and ultimately Jesus, to be the savior of a lost world. And then I and then, in the wisdom of God alone, He chooses to have them read the rest of the text. Listen to this. Chapter 11 of Romans. "For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience, even so these also have now been disobedient, that through the mercy shown you, they may also have obtained mercy, for God has committed them." Who's the them? The Jews, God has committed them all to disobedience that he might have mercy on all. Wow. Explain that to me, would you? Listen to me. Look at me. Everybody look at me. Anti-Semitism is such a horrible sin in the world today. I I come from a family of Roman Catholics. In Romanism, my family were not prejudiced against any people group except Jews. Jews my family would call the Jews the Christ killers they were taught that in their church that it was the Jews that killed Christ who killed Christ? Did. I did my sin, put him on the cross right, now now listen to me in the wisdom of God God predetermined predestined that the Jews would reject their own Messiah, why? so that you could be saved so that I could be saved. If if the Jews accepted the truth that that Peter was preaching that day on Pentecost, and all Israel had received their Messiah, what would have happened? He would have returned. Established his millennial reign. And where would you be? Hmm. Wouldn't even exist, would we? But now listen to how amazing this is. Listen to how amazing this is. The rejection of God by the world. And there were no Jews then, just the world, brought about the salvation that would come through Israel. God picked a man, Abraham, and through Abraham would come Jesus. 42 generations, the Christ, wow. And the salvation to the Gentiles. But has he rejected Israel? No, no, no. no oh my, verse 33, the depth and the riches both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his ways, the ways of God, how unsearchable are his judgments, his ways past finding out, for who has known the mind of the Lord, and who has become his counselor, and who has first given to him, and it shall be read to him, for of him, and through him, and to him all things, to whom be glory forever and ever, amen? Amen. Isn't it wonderful? Is that, is that new information for you this morning? That the rejection of the world brought about the salvation of the Jew through, through the revelation given to them by the Torah. What was Pentecost? What did the Jews call Pentecost? The Feast of Revelation. The Jews never call it Pentecost. There's a Gentile or Greek meaning to it, Right. But the Jews call it the Feast of Weeks or Shavuot or the Feast of Revelation. Why? They're commemorating the giving of the law, the revelation of who God is, his moral and ethical purity, and that we would never, ever, ever be able to, no, I'll never be there. I'll never be right. I'm sorry. I just won't. I'm working on it, though. I'm letting him work in me. But through the, listen to me, through their acceptance of the sacrificial system that God brought about temporarily to bring about a temporary covering for their sin. If you will believe what I'm telling you, God says, if you believe the promise I'm making here through this system in Leviticus, you've been reading through the Bible in a year? You all through Leviticus? Whew, thank goodness, you know. <laughs> oh, but there'll be there's lots of wonderful lessons in Leviticus for us. But anyway, nonetheless through that system, that sacrificial system in Leviticus, there was a way to receive a righteousness by believing the promise of God. By faith, he'll reckon you righteous. Now, it was a temporary righteousness. It wasn't a complete righteousness, was it? No, no. the complete remission of sin would come through the person of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. And so he, he brings that about through the Israelites, the Jewish people, And that was the Pesach, the first Pesach out of Egypt. The Jews recognized that as what? The birth of the nation. Come on now, i taught you this for two weeks. Pesach, Pentecost, or not Pesach, or Passover, brought about the, the release from Egypt, from the bondage of the taskmasters and Pharaoh into this new world, new life, right? The birth of the nation, the birth of Israel, right? And we also see it's the birth of of, uh, Messianic Judaism in Acts 2. But they believe that uh, Shavuot, or the Feast of Pentecost, Feast of Revelation, was what? Where they were enlightened, where they were brought an understanding of God. The Bible is good. We don't worship the Bible, do we? Now, there's some people that think, you know, it's Father, Son, and the Holy God, and the Holy, Holy Word. You know, we don't worship the Word but we are so thankful for the word of God because it brings us to a complete understanding of the God of the word and that's what God desired to do at the feast of revelation through the giving of the law of Moses give them an understanding of who God was and who they were not the anthropomorphism of the pagans you know know what that is Um, when they're making their idols look like men or women to try to relate to them is God a man, is God a woman, does God look like you or me I hope not you know, I'm hoping for something better. <laughs> but giving them that understanding, that revelation, and then Feast of Tabernacles. So, quote: What did the Jews believe about that? Pa- pa- uh, Passover, the birth of the nation, Pentecost, the revelation of God and the purposes and the, and the will of God, and then Tabernacles, His presence, redemption. God with us Emmanuel wow isn't that beautiful now when God gave the Jews all of those feasts he told them they'd be celebrating them for how long how long then you better know about them that's why I spend so much time teaching you because you know you you don't want to get to heaven like the rest of these Gentiles how come nobody ever told me how come you didn't read it it's all there right Acts chapter 2. God predetermined, predestined the rejection of the Messiah by the Jews for the sake of the, the salvation of the Gentiles. And he saved the Gentiles to bring them to jealousy. You have any Jewish friends that you brought to jealousy? Because of your love for Israel, your understanding of the word of God, your Israelology of the Bible? I worked for a Jewish manager in New York when I was working for General Electric. And uh, Don Rubin was his name. I had so much fun with this guy. He was a Reformed Jew. He, he wasn't an Orthodox Jew. He was a Reformed Jew. But nonetheless, he was a Jew. And, and every time I got an opportunity, I would talk to him about what I, my understanding of the Bible and my love for Israel and my love for the Jewish people. And I love you, Don Rubin, even though you're unloving. You know? And then every Yom Kippur, you know what I did? Every Yom Kippur, you know what I did? Went and asked for a raise. Oh, you oh you, you know too much about my people, right? You, you think I have to give you that random because it's Yom Kippur. <laughs> <laughs> this is the way we're talking, always pinching his fingers, you know? <laughs> but he could not understand my love for Israel and my love for the Jewish people. What a blessing they are, chosen by God to represent him to all of us. And that through them the salvation of the world would come, the Messiah. Please, 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 when you're out there, do everything you can to speak wisdom, to speak understanding, sanity to these people who have such terrible attitudes for the Jews because all of that is demonic. It's satanic, this persecution of these people. And the worst is yet to come, unbelievably. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and the foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified, put him to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him. Now he's going to quote. Psalm 16, where David is prophesying that the Messiah would not see death, that the Messiah would see death, but he would not see corruption. Look what it says here as he's quoting Psalm 16. This is the first proof of the resurrection, the first proof that Jesus is the Messiah that Peter is going to give them. For David said, I foresaw the Lord always before my face for he is at my right hand that i may not be shaken therefore my heart shall rejoice and my tongue shall be glad moreover my flesh will also rest in hope hope is that absolute assurance of a future expectation right christian hope is an absolute certainty it's not a maybe or i wish verse 27 for you will not leave my soul in hades nor will you allow your holy one to see corruption you have made known to me the ways of life and you will Make me full of joy in your presence. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his body, according to the flesh that he would raise up the Christ to sit upon his throne. Now, we we know that there are several promises that God made with regard to the fact that the Messiah would sit on the throne of David, and he would sit on the throne for how long? Forever. Forever. As Billy Graham would say, forever and ever. (laughs) David was in the tomb. His body decayed, corrupted, but where was David's soul at this time? Where was David's soul at this time? Not right now, but I mean as far as Acts chapter 2. Where was David's soul? In Hades. Hades is the Greek word for the Hebrew. Sheol. Sheol. Now listen to me. There's no purgatory. There is no purgatory. That's where the understanding or the erroneous belief of purgatory comes from. But as far as the Jews were concerned, there was this place called Sheol. In the New Testament, it was referred to as Hades. Hades is the Greek word for the Hebrew sheol. Sheol is simply mankind's common grave. Everyone who died, their souls, their spirits, went to be in Hades or sheol before the ascension of the Christ. Okay? Now, we know that Jesus taught. A situation that actually existed. This is not a parable. It's not a myth. It's not a story. It's actually happened. He said there was a rich man who sc- fared scrumptuously, very wealthy, lived like a king, ate like a king. And then there was a beggar who sat outside his gate name. And the dogs would come and lick the sores of his body and he would beg the, He'd have to fight the dogs for the crumbs that they would throw over the wall that he would feed himself with. But Lazarus was a better be a righteous man and beg for bread than be, have the wealth of a king and be wretched, lost, damned, right? And Jesus told us that Lazarus and the rich man both died and they both went down into Hades. But in Hades, there were two compartments. There was one for the unrighteous dead, not believing the promises of God, not, not waiting for the promises of God to be fulfilled. But then there was a place called for the righteous dead, who were believing the promises of God, waiting for the fulfillment of the Messiah, the promised deliverer, Savior. What is that? SOS. SOS. It's an international distress call. If you're, if you're in distress anywhere and you can make that noise, everybody knows what that means. It's from the Greek, isoes. Isoes. Isoes is the root word sudzo. sudzo. is brings us the word soteria, which is salvation. Salvation. Isn't that amazing? Salvation. isois. Mm, so while they're waiting Jesus now is on the cross and they're waiting and there's a thief on his left and a thief on his right and they're mocking him and the one says to the other stop it we're getting our just due I confess my sins I confess my sins I'm getting my just due and so are you but this man has done nothing wrong Shut up. Lord, Lord, I repent. I confess. Yes, I confess. My life has been sin from beginning to end. But Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Would you forgive me? Let me tell you something. He didn't need any more grace than what you and I need. You understand that? I need equally the grace that that man received. In that eleventh hour of his life. And Jesus looked over him and said, son, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Now, now Jesus called it paradise at that time, but when he was re- rehearsing what historically had happened, he said, now Lazarus had gone into Abraham's bosom. And he was being comforted by Father Abraham. And the rich man said, they could see one another, they could even hear one another, and he said, Father Abraham, send Lazarus, send Lazarus over here and have him drop a drop of water on my tongue. Can you imagine one drop of water satisfying you? You know, I know when I'm thirsty, I'm right. One, 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 one. He's in such torment, just, just a drop, just a drop. I can't imagine that torment. But Abraham said to him, son when you had your life you lacked for nothing and no compassion, no understanding, no mercy for Jesus' heart, Jesus had the biggest heart for who? The rich? The who? The who? Now listen We, we, we need to do more Because Jesus will be found not among the rich. He'll be found among the poor. And that's where we need to go. And especially those who are poor in spirit. spirit, Yeah. Offering the water of life. Now when Jesus descended, three days, three nights in the heart of the earth, as Noah was, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, So the Son of Man was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, where was he? Was he in torment? You know, there's some of these word of faith preachers that'll teach that Jesus was in torment, being tormented by the devil. How heretical is that? How how absolutely unorthodox is that? Jesus wasn't in a place of torment. He was in Abraham's bosom. He was in a place called paradise. And what was he doing? He was preaching. What was he preaching? Better days are coming. Hang on. Hold on. I'm coming. <laughs> and, and and 40 days later, well, 43 days because he was down there for three days, right? And then he resurrected. He was on earth for 40 days. And what happened at the end of the 40 days? And Ephesians tells us he led yeah. captivity captive. Those who were captive previously in that place of Abraham's bosom or paradise now became his love slaves. He led captivity captive. He brought them to No one could ascend to heaven until Jesus did first. You understand that? Paul says he's the first fruit unto God. He's the firstborn among many brothers. He's the first one. Then they came. Now, that place of paradise, Abraham's bosom, who's in there today? Nobody. Nobody. It's empty. To be absent from the absence of the body? Oh, isn't that wonderful? No purgatory, no Hades, no Sheol, no Abraham's bosom, no we're going to heaven. To be absent from this body, to be present with the Lord. What do we fear in death? Nothing. Nothing. Just a little concerned about the way it might happen, right? That's all. (laughs) So this is what he's talking about now. David, at this time, where's David? He's in Hades. Abraham's bosom. They're waiting. They're waiting for the promise of God to be fulfilled in the person of the Messiah. And Peter's saying, listen, David wasn't talking about himself when he said he wouldn't see corruption. He was talking about the Christ, that the Christ wouldn't see corruption. And he's the one that's going to deliver us all from death's grip and from the grave. Look at the text Acts chapter 2. Men and brethren, let me speak freely. You of the patriarch David, that he is both dead. I'm in Acts chapter two, verse twenty-nine. You there? You with me? Yes. I said, you with me? Yes. All right. With Jesus, more importantly, right? Okay. <laughs> verse 30 therefore being a prophet and knowing that god had sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his body according to the flesh that he would raise up to sit the christ to sit upon his throne for he foreseeing this spoke concerning the resurrection of the christ that his soul would not be left in hades nor did his flesh see corruption this jesus god had raised up from the dead of which we are witnesses second proof of the resurrection second proof of what peter was telling them we saw it we were witnesses of these things you know the greatest testimony you have the greatest testimony you have? Your changed life. Your transformed life. If you, Listen, if you've been saved, there's a transformation that's taking place. It's taking place. It's taking place. It will take place, right? I'm delivered. I'm being delivered. I'll be delivered still. I'm saved. I'm being saved. I will be saved. Yet, yeah, Paul said. That transformed life is what gives testimony to the fact that Jesus is risen from the dead and he's alive in you. When the angel released Peter and John from prison at the pharisees and the sadducees locked them up he leased leased them and he said now go go to the temple and go do what go share this life of yours we went from death to life on my stone i said call me lazarus i was dead and now i'm alive isn't that true is that true of every one of us? Now, this is what Peter is, is saying here, and he said that the Christ. Now, now there are many Old Testament prophecies concerning the fact that the Christ would be of the descendant of David, sitting on the throne of David forever. Go to Luke chapter one. Who wrote the book of Acts? Who wrote Luke? Okay, so it's the same guy. Now look at chapter one for a minute. He announces the birth of the Christ. The angel came to Mary and told her she would conceive by the Holy Spirit and she would give birth to the Messiah. Verse 29 of Luke chapter 1. Everybody there? Are you there? Are you with Jesus? Are you with Jesus? Oh, that's weak. That's really pathetic. Are you with Jesus? Yes. Yes. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Okay. Verse 29, but when she saw him, when Mary saw the angel, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Yahshua, Jesus. Jehovah Shua, I am salvation. And he will be great, and he will be called the son of the most high, and the Lord God will give him the the throne of David, his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob. And his kingdom there will be. Wow. Which kingdom is that? Yeah. When he reigns on the throne of David, what kingdom will that be? there will be the messianic kingdom at first, the messianic millennial kingdom, which leads into the eternal everlasting kingdom hmm? as we've been talking about the five kingdom, the <laughs> kingdom programs of God so you can understand those things alright back to Acts and we're going to have to end here in a minute that's the joy of expositional teaching, teaching through the Bible, I can almost stop anywhere you know without getting my uh, volunteers in the nursery upset with me a couple weeks ago they tried to hang me, all I got was shoulder burn And we are witnesses of these things. Verse 33, chapter 2. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. This is the third proof. What's the proof? The 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 coming of the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus said. Listen, the validation that everything Jesus said was accomplished and God received him was that when he was received up in heaven... He went up and the Holy Spirit came down, right? That's the proof. That's the validation of all that Jesus taught and said. This is the third, third evidence that Peter gives of the resurrection, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now remember when we were in John's gospel, Jesus had prophesied that the helper would come 14:16. He promised the helper would come again in 1426, 1526, 16:7, the helper, the helper, the helper, the parakletos. One of the same kind, the parakletos, the one who was called. Keletos is called, para, alongside, the one who came alongside you. Now listen, you did not seek God. Do you understand that? You were not looking for God, but God sought you. And God saved you. Not by the will of men, right? Not by blood, nor by the will of the flesh, nor by the will of the man, but by God's spirit, thank the Lord for David did not ascend into the heavens but he says himself the Lord this is Yahweh God said to my Lord to Jesus Adonai sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool so this fourth proof of the resurrection was now what the ascension that Jesus ascended remember the last time he spoke to them right it's recorded for us where, where Luke ends his gospel with the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And, and as Jesus ascended up into heaven, the angels said to the men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into the heaven? The same Jesus who has taken from you will return in like manner as you saw him go. What does that mean? He's coming back in the clouds. He ascended in the clouds. He's coming back in the clouds. What kind of clouds? Storm, Storm clouds. Very, on a very dark and threatening day, he'll come. So this was the fourth proof that Peter gives of the resurrection. The first that David prophesied that the Messiah would not see corruption and he did not. He rose from the dead. The second was that they were eyewitnesses of the resurrection. The third proof was the coming of the reception of the Holy Spirit just as God had promised. And the fourth is that Jesus did ascend up into heaven. We saw we were eyewitnesses of these things. Therefore, verse 36, let all of the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both, kurios. What's kurios? Lord. What does it mean, Lord? Absolutely number one. The Father God in all of the universe, right? God's universal kingdom where God reigns everywhere and Forever the universal kingdom of god is where god reigns everywhere and forever he is supreme in heaven on earth he said all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth now therefore go and do what isn't that interesting he doesn't tell you to go evangelizing. he doesn't tell you to save anybody can you save anybody If you save them, they're still lost. You understand that? If you save somebody, they're still lost. But he said, go and make... Recognize where my salvation has come into a heart, into a life, into a mind. Recognize those who have eyes to see, ears to hear, and grow them up in me. That's what he said. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Next week.